0: The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in the things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lapin, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lapin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. Yes, welcome to each of you happy warriors, and uh, I'll remind you that uh, the phrase happy warrior is one that I borrowed, um, that means plagiarized, from the English poet William Wordsworth, who wrote a poem about the happy warrior in the early 1800s, I don't remember the exact date. But um, uh, some of the lines are really beautiful, and it goes like this. Who is the happy warrior? Who is he that every man in arms should wish to be? It is the generous spirit who, when brought, finds comfort in himself and in his cause, and while the mortal mist is gathering, draws his breath in confidence of heaven's applause This is the happy warrior, this is he, that every man in arms should wish to be. And I think of uh, myself and my wife, Susan, and, and, uh, and each and every one of you listening right now, I think of you all as happy warriors, whether man or woman, all happy warriors, because to live productively, you have to fight every day against the force of entropy, if nothing else. You fight to maintain your possessions. You fight to build and maintain your family. You fight to build and grow your money. You fight to take care of your body and your business, your profession or your career. Look, uh, God created a world in which chaos and disorder rule. In other words, the default condition in this world of ours is chaos, disorder. If neglected, gardens turn into jungles. Cities turn into ruins. But never does it go the other way around. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, literally the second verse of the Hebrew Scriptures, speaks about a phrase tohu bohu, which has found its way into the dictionary, meaning chaos and confusion and uh, and it's something that obviously god thought was important enough for us to know right up front second verse which is you gotta know that he has put us in a world where the natural default is chaos uh, you don't want to take care of your car it'll go and deteriorate into a pile of rust uh, you don't want to take care of your children it's going to go badly You don't want to nurture your marriage, you just want to leave your marriage, let it take care of itself, it's going to deteriorate. Life is a fight, and that's a good thing, because to stop fighting, uh, to stop seeking, to stop striving, (laughs) well, that just means you're dying, that's all. And uh, I call you not just warriors, but happy warriors, because to throw yourself into the fight for eight or 10 or 12 hours a day, six days a week. That's one thing, but to throw yourself into that fight for six days a week, many hours a day, But to do all that with a debonair smile on your face and a jaunty pace to your stride, to do all that while generating an irrepressible surge of happiness welling up inside your soul and spreading that to the people with whom you associate, well, that means you are spiritually grounded in everything that is life-affirming, devoted to your faith, your families, your finances, your fitness, and your friends— knowing that you can triumph over those who both intentionally and unknowingly promote a dark abyss of satanic secular socialism and all of the many destructive and evil so- social pathologies that that world view generates and one of them that i want to speak about now Um, was fertility. There's quite a lot of interesting things that have come across my desk this last week. And uh, fortunately, many of you around the world supply me with information. Um, Those of you who know me well enough over the years um, send me information that uh, is relevant and, and information that you know that I care about. And so I wonder how many of you know what America's fertility rate uh, was in 2020 last year. Okay, so um, it's kind of interesting. Before I I tell you that, though, I should tell you that the fertility rate for maintenance of population is 2.1. Right, You've got to have, on average, 2.1 children per woman, and that way you maintain a fairly stable-sized population. Now, what many people would intuitively jump to is the idea, well, that makes sense. Um, surely that's exactly what we'd want to have happen, right? Uh, let's keep a stable population, zero population growth. Because, look, things are pretty good now, so why would we want to spoil it by increasing? Well, (laughs) I'll I'll tell you why. Um, Because the natural process of life means that a mother and a father reach a certain age where they need support, and um, how many children does it take to do that well given that every child has to also take care of himself or herself and his or her families um the excess available to take care of the previous generation is a little bit less so um 2.1 does not quite cut it because two people namely 2.1 children can't take care of two adult two parents that doesn't work you have to have more and so um, not surprisingly uh, some people say well wait a second you know that's not true because today we got social security okay fine if you stop to actually think how social security works social security is paid in by the current working generation and uh, handed over this basically income redistribution right from young to old Um, this is not what it was originally sold as. Hey, everybody, we'll cut a whole slice out of your uh, income. It'll be part of your tax system, and we'll invest it for you so that no matter what happens in your life, you'll always be. No, that's not what happened. It got absorbed into in in a very corrupt way. Um, The truth is that without everything else going on, what was done to Social Security should be one of the greatest scandals of our time. But there is so much competition for scandals that it slides into the background, right? I mean, I I, I really feel like um, we should let our hair down a little bit, right? And uh, and just really pour out the intensity of our feelings on what was really done, letting our hair down. You know, there are those who will claim that it's more a case of my hair having let me down, but um, that it takes us off topic entirely and so uh yeah uh, we still need more than two children per couple um, in order for society to continue functioning um, we do at 2.1 is the absolute base minimum and all that does is make sure that the graph Of our population year by year looks like a rectangle the sides are vertical they're not shrinking in they're not going out ideally what you need is a pyramid structure of population but uh, uh, so in in other words in africa we have it Uh, in africa right now as a total i mean it varies right in some countries it's less but in places like niger for instance it's seven seven uh, children per couple in africa as an average across the continent 4.5 4.5 children um israel the highest in the western developed world 3.1 and one of the the great uh, pleasures of visiting israel and those of you who've been there have noticed it it's just really nice to see a lot of kids around uh you go you know walk past any playground and there's kids playing there. Um, there's kids getting on off the buses. There are kids in the streets. Little kids all over the place. This produces an atmosphere of hope and optimism and an atmosphere of faith in the future. And so Africa, 4.5. Uh, Israel, 3.1. United States of America, 1.64. Okay. This is not good. This is not good at all. And so it leads us to two questions right one is what is the effect of this and the second question is what's causing it what's happening well the effect is not good um, in, uh, uh, in in China uh, something really interesting has just happened You'll remember that uh, about 35 years ago approximately, China instituted the one-child rule, and it was very rigorously and cruelly and brutally enforced. Forced sterilization, forced abortions, um, they really clamped down and allowed only one child. Well, one of the unintended consequences of that was an excess of uh, 50 million or more men than women all right the the social unrest that flows from that is obvious Uh, the idea that a cohort of 50 million men will never find mates (laughs) even the chinese communist party figured out pretty quickly that that is a social calamity it's a huge problem and indeed it has been of course and uh, so they changed it i think in 2015 they changed it to two Uh, Children is that, oh, by the way, why that happened is because um, when couples can only have one child, the uh, um, overwhelming majority of men and a majority of women want that child to be a boy. If there can be more children, then they're less concerned. But if there's only going to be one child, then uh, female children would be aborted. And that's exactly what happened in India when they tried this rule. And it's exactly what happened in China. All right. Now, you might say, well, in this day and age of enlightened ideas on sex and gender, that surely doesn't happen. Yeah, it actually does. It happens in New York. It happens in Los Angeles. It happens everywhere around the world. Uh, human beings, when couples uh, are having a baby, married couples predominantly, when they're having a baby, uh, they would like that first child to be a boy, particularly if they're not sure whether they're going to have more. You know, people, some people go into marriage saying, you know what, we're going to have a big family, God willing, to whatever extent we can manage. But otherwise, uh, people, yes, that is right. Th- you know, that men would prefer their first child to be a boy is as I said, overwhelming, the big surprise is that about 65% of women would like their first child to be a boy as well. So, as you can imagine, it was absolutely predictable uh, what would happen in China, what would happen in India, but um, they've just changed it again, and they've, China's now changed it to three children are now allowed, but this time it was done for economic reasons. Now, why economic reasons? Well, as I said earlier, um, even if you've got Social Security, uh, or perhaps particularly, you really do need more children in each generation. You absolutely have to have a pyramid-shaped structure. But even beyond that, um, even if you say, look, we're... We're centuries away from the old model of children having to farm the field so that uh, elderly father and mother can stay home in the farmhouse. Uh, It doesn't make any difference. Today, it's no longer working in the fields, but it is investment funds and dividends and shares, all of which do depend on a growing population. That's right and you only just you just have to think your way through this for a few minutes and uh, and you will see growth is all important and so companies constantly report uh, our growth over last year right all the time a country itself speaks about growth in gdp how important that is to have a healthy growth year after year because everybody recognizes that stagnation doesn't work and staying the same is very seldom an option you're either shrinking or growing you're either becoming more alive or you're dying you're either growing your company or your company is shrinking but the idea that it can just stay exactly the same hugely problematic and, uh, and so you think your way through this and you see that in order for a vibrant economy to have durability, you've got to have a growing population. However, it's not just a growing population, because if it were, then the genius of France and Germany and Sweden bringing in huge numbers of single male muslim immigrants from the middle east and north africa well that would seem to to be an incredibly brilliant economic move however you don't really need me to tell you what a colossal disaster that has actually turned out to be you see a very important point that the world of secular fundamentalism does not contemplate a very important point that the wonderful world of progressivism cannot only not contemplate but will not tolerate is that not all human beings are the same. Humans live by different value systems, call it cultures if you like. And so, uh, if you want to be able to make money, if you want to be able to live comfortably, with as little stress as possible then you want to live in a place with a large population because the larger the population the more likely it is that there will be a viable market for what you do or what you sell and so you definitely want to be in a place with a big population rather than a place with a small population so I mean what I'm telling you is, is something you all know for yourselves right there's a reason that people leave villages and little towns and migrate to the cities because your opportunity of creating wealth in a city is much better than in a small town because you're in contact with more people. So what is what are the rules? You've got to have more people, but that's not enough. They have to be unified. That's where France, Germany, Sweden fell down with by importing millions of single muslim males whose culture could hardly be more different from that of traditional germanic culture right please don't think for a moment that all the imported single male muslim immigrants are all working at the bmw factory in munich all right, that's not happening. Don't think that uh, the uh, millions, more than six million Muslims living in France, please don't think that they are busy uh, running French bistros and creating good French wine. No, that's not happening because population by itself isn't the issue. It's got to be people who are unified by language by a specific culture. They've got to be unified by customs, above all by trust. They've they've got to be able to interconnect. With all of those things, it is vastly easier to create economic transactions that produce wealth. So just remember this, that the wonderful world of progressives will not acknowledge the fact that not everybody is the same, right? If, if you import to your country a million people who are committed to honesty and transparency, committed to hard work, who reject the idea of living on other people's sweat, who um, are committed to education and decent living and marital stability and sexual um a structure uh, and that's the group of people you import to your country you're going to see an almost instantaneous increase in wealth creation but if you import a million people who don't speak your language don't want to speak your language have a culture uh, laziness is is not a good way of putting it although it's part of it but a culture that is not a a work-related culture don't forget judeo-christian bible-based culture that created western civilization starts off in the beginning of genesis god put adam in the garden of eden to work it Right, that's it. In other words, each and every one of us, we are our own Adams. We each are trying to create our own Garden of Edens, and we are put here to work. We're not put here to have leisure time. We're not put here to have fun. So, if you, if you suddenly have a million people in your country who are happy to live on other people's sweat, have no culture of work, who um, steal, right? They, they, their culture does not object to stealing. It doesn't object to, uh, to looting. You, you import a bunch of people who think in terms of the lines I'm talking about, and not only haven't you improved the economic viability of your society, you've actually made it worse, because you've now imported a million takers instead of a million makers. But remember, Uh, secular fundamentalism rejects the idea that there's a difference. Why? Because at the heart of secular fundamentalism, you'll remember, is, of course, the idea that um, we are nothing but animals. We're essentially animals. And as animals, all animals of any particular species are exactly the same right if if you're going to buy 3 cows for your farm you don't really care about what the values of each cow is and so secular fundamentalism rejects the idea that values are important for human beings any more than values are important for animals because secular fundamentalism believes that we are all nothing but sophisticated animals. And what is not true for animals should not be true for people. Animals do not have family structure and marital stability. So stop pretending that family structure and marital stability are important for people. And uh, animals do not have a system of values So stop pretending that values are important for people. All cows are the same. All people are the same. The cow that you have just bought is going to produce a predictable supply of milk, regardless of its value system. It doesn't have a value system, but the economic productivity of a person is hugely dependent upon their value system, right? That should be pretty clear. Now, um, the, the, the importance of a growing population, uh, I cannot adequately stress. I speak about it very often because uh, the intuitive idea that we should just keep the population exactly the way it is, intuitively, it might at first glance appear to be a very good idea. But um, you don't even need me. You can figure it out for yourself it doesn't work you absolutely have to have a triangle structure um, where each generation is larger than the one preceding it right that's that's what the graph has to look like and you can you can figure that out and if if not i'll i'll tell you if i hear from people that that doesn't make sense then i'll devote a show to explaining that but this is so fundamental that at the very beginning right at the beginning of genesis uh, we have in verse chapter 1 verse 27 and uh, uh, god created man in his image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them and uh, god blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and then uh, when plan a with adam didn't quite work out and there was a flood god starts over again with noah and again in chapter 9 verse 1 and god blessed noah and his children and he said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth so this is something that shows up at the beginning of genesis chapter 1 shows up again in genesis 9 be fruitful and multiply now i i teach a verse by verse through genesis called scrolling through scripture and uh, uh, it's it's so uh, amazingly important that i actually devote uh, more than 20 uh, more than 10 hours to the first 34 verses of genesis going from genesis chapter 1 verse 1 up to genesis chapter 2 verse 4 I take more than 10 hours to teach that and that's because so many important lessons so many important fundamental principles are being laid out such as the one i'm talking about right now and many 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 others so uh, if you are interested in doing a deep dive into the book that created western civilization uh, the book on the basis of which Political tranquility and economic prosperity was created in ways that do not appear anywhere else in the world. Remember that the idea of a capital market came to be only indigenously only in countries founded on Christianity. Right? today there' stock markets everywhere right but originally the idea of a capital market came about only. In countries like uh, places like London and Amsterdam England and Holland um, places that were founded because so much of what we take for granted in terms of human economic interaction uh, is rooted in biblical principles and so I lay this out And uh, explain why it is that even when it comes to things like cleanliness and hygiene just think about it it's not just banks it's also bathrooms Uh, you know banks and bathrooms think about banks and bathrooms in Bombay and Bangkok and Beijing um, you know shall we say a hundred years ago 150 years ago Uh, the bathroom was a hole in the ground, and if you were very rich, you had two places on the side of the hole where your feet could go while you crouch, and a bank was uh, sticking some gold in the mattress under your bed. That was what banks and bathrooms used to look like. So, why is it that as time went by, banks and bathrooms in, shall we say, Boston and uh, Birmingham and Bristol did not end up looking like banks and bathrooms in Bombay and Beijing and Bangkok. But no, banks and bathrooms in Boston and Birmingham and Baltimore stayed, they are the ones where hygiene and cleanliness and economic viability got copied by the others. And eventually we got to the point where today when you walk into a bank or a bathroom in Bangkok and Beijing and Bombay, they look pretty much the same as banks and bathrooms do when you go into one of those in Baltimore or Boston or, or 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 Birmingham, right? And why is it that the world seems to have moved in the direction of a biblically sculpted society? And it's not just cleanliness and hygiene and, and finances, but it's in marriage as well. Male female relations, what works and what doesn't, and many, many, many other things. So uh, I mention this because uh, this is not something I'm going to do ever on this program, but for those of you who are interested in being able to do for yourselves what this material did for entire countries, nations, and societies, then you may want to scroll through scripture. And uh, what you do, if you want to read more about it or, or see a sample lesson of how this works, uh, just go to the website, right? rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, over at rabbidaniellappin.com, Uh, you'll find scrolling through scripture and one of the things you'll find there is that um, this phrase be fruitful and multiply is a bad and utterly incorrect translation of the hebrew which sounds like this peru uravu you can hear they're not the same words at all And the King James translation in the early 17th century uh, set out this model of sort of turning it into a poetic repetition. Be fruitful and multiply. There's no difference between those two words, right? Uh, The Bible doesn't work on the way of uh, by the way of poetry. It works by the way of mathematical precision. And so, when two different words are used for something, you can be absolutely sure that we're talking about. Two fundamentally different concepts, and uh, sure enough, prouvervu whether in Genesis chapter one or in Genesis chapter nine with Noah, those two words don't mean "be fruitful and multiply." They're not talking about just producing children. That's easy. No, the actual translation is "have children biologically." and then raise them, infuse them with values, teach them spiritually. That's what Puravu means, not be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful, and then raise your children responsibly, teaching them how the world really works. That's what you have to do, and that's the way society functions. You've got to have more people but it's also got to be the right kind of people what are the right kind of people people with the right values right and because the left secular secular fundamentalism the wonderful world of progressives that whole world is obsessed and fixated on materialism and so all that matters are the things you can see and that's why they're so obsessed with skin color that's the fundamental distinction between people has anybody noticed what a disaster the united states has been since the obsession with skin color began under president barack obama anybody aware what a disaster it's been sure because that may be a very good way of distinguishing between cows you can have a brown cow or you can have a black and white cow and there probably are a lot of other different species of cows you want to buy a llama llamas come in different um, in different colors colors important if you uh, if you want uh, virtually all other kinds of animals right you may well pick them out by uh, by color goats right you want to get some goats for your children pick out the right color you want black goats white goats whatever you want with human beings what really matters is what you cannot see it's not the physical material part of us it's the spiritual part of us you can't see that and the wonderful world of progressives totally denies the reality of spiritual values and yet all that distinguishes between a viable society and a non-viable society are spiritual values it's not color absolutely not it's the what you can't see it's the spiritual values and so uh, it becomes um, apparent that the fundamental biblical principle of you got to have more people each generation you got to have more uh, that's step one number two you got to make sure that each generation is acculturated to the values of the preceding you got to do that and when a country starts letting its children grow up, believing the worst about their own culture, believing only the worst about their ancestors, their fathers and great grandmothers, the worst. Uh, Then you have a very doomed society, right? Make sure you got plenty of your assets in movable, easily transportable goods because where you are, is not long for this world of stability and tranquility and prosperity. Not going to happen. And uh, having your assets in in movable possessions, um, I know some of you are thinking that's what Bitcoin is. That's what cryptocurrency is. And I've received a lot of very valuable correspondence from many of you uh, with respect to the program I did uh, recently uh, within the last couple of months on uh, bitcoin and um, i i did an initial take i didn't i did not tell you whether i recommended it or not i'm not going to tell you that but i tried to give you as much information as i could to enable you to make your own educated uh, decision on cryptocurrency Uh, but for those of you who believe that cryptocurrency is good and works, well, then it's, it's wonderful because if the worst comes to the worst and you have to move from wherever you're living now somewhere else, uh, you you literally could not re- wish for more portable assets than your um, your cryptocurrency digital wallet. That's all you need. Uh, for those of you who are more skeptical about cryptocurrency, um, about uh, cryptocurrency like bitcoin or ethereum uh, then you will want to uh, go probably with gold and uh, you know gold bullion or, or gold coins like the canadian maple leaf or the south african krugerrand or even the chinese panda but uh, whatever it is if in fact you feel that the the society where you live Is failing either biologically not reproducing itself uh, or spiritually, in other words, the Prue or the Revu. Either your society is not producing a triangular-shaped population graph, or you feel that your society is failing to educate and acculturate and provide a value system to the next generation, or both. What if you live in a country or a society where neither of those things are happening? The, rep- the replacement rate is very low, and the children that are being born are not being raised properly. That's when you really want to make sure that if you need to, you can move with portability. That's my, that's, that's my sort of Jewish background speaking, right? Um, we Jews tend to think very much in terms of nothing but God is permanent all right you just you know, you, you can't say permanence there isn't such a thing uh, changes happen and sometimes change is dramatic and you know there's a phrase I use when I'm speaking to Jewish audiences and I'm trying to make this point I sometimes say Warsaw January 1939 must tell you in Warsaw Poland in January 1939, life was pretty good. People were making money, they were living in tranquility. Poland was a fairly civilized place. I'm not saying there was no Polish anti Semitism. Yeah, there was. There were problems, no question. But basically, in the city of Warsaw, uh, not only Jews, but everybody was living very tranquilly. And it was only nine months later that Germany invaded Poland. And things changed very quickly and very dramatically with very little warning. And so um, it's important that happy warriors train themselves to live um, happily with a certain degree of uncertainty, right? You don't have to feel that um, your your security comes from your assets. No, your security is spiritual in nature. And that travels with you. So you can live with a certain degree of physical uh, insecurity as long as it's more than matched by spiritual security. And that's how that works. Now, I think it's really important to, uh, for every happy warrior to train himself or to train herself to understand that a lot of the information that you receive has already been filtered and is as much is likely to be as much indoctrination and propaganda as it is to be genuine information and you have to get used to filtering things through your own god-given mind what we have to do is utterly banish from our souls the respect we have for experts The respect we have for studies, the respect we have for sentences that begin, science tells us, you've really got to be very careful about these things, because when they say science tells us, what they usually mean is scientists tell us, which scientists, (laughs) very specific. And so um, be careful about things like this, for instance, America's Center for Immigration Studies uh, recently Put out when I say recently, uh, the beginning of summer 2021, like very recently, um, put out a study uh, that uh, you don't have to worry about the decline in population in America. You don't have to worry that the population is declining and the only reason it's even where it is, is because of illegal immigration, you don't have to worry because in any event, having more people in the country, I'm quoting now, is no guarantee of higher income for every individual. I'm now quoting more. It is clear, says the director of research of the Center for Immigration Studies, it's clear that the simplistic argument that more population growth necessarily leads to more per capita economic growth uh, is not obvious. In fact, the evidence seems to be the other way around. Okay, you're being gamed here. Do you hear what he's saying? Um, More population growth leads to more per capita economic growth. That's not true, he says. What did I just say? Did I just say that be fruitful and multiply doesn't mean be fruitful and multiply. It means be fruitful and be diligent and responsible about educating and acculturating your children. So more population, more population that um, is unified and connected and um, are are culturally coherent um, by the way, diversity, don't believe when they tell you diversity is an advantage. It's not an advantage in business. It's not an, adv- an advantage in society. When they say diversity, they mean color, skin color. That's irrelevant, right? I don't care what color the skin is of people that, with whom I'm trying to perform a mission or build a company. I don't mind that. Right? The U.S. Army is a perfect example of that. The uniform color matters, not the skin color. But I do care about cultural cohesiveness. I don't want cultural diversity. There's no hope of me performing a mission successfully if my team is made up of some people who think work is a value some who don't some think honesty is a value some don't some think that uh, diligence and integrity are a value some don't some are flexible in their uh, integrity others are not you can't that's that would be diversity and it is a disaster it's not something we want at all so in in the same way Uh, You've got to be aware that when they're saying, what they're trying to say, see, you don't have to worry about the shrinking population. They're gaming you because you do have to worry about it. They say, well, it's not true that more population growth leads to more per capita economic growth. Well, that's true. I agree with that because you need two conditions. Neither one is sufficient on its own. You need a growing population and a growing population made up of people who have the same values, who connect with each other on a deeper level. But he throws in another means of deceiving you. Per capita economic growth. Now, wait a sec, per capita economic growth means, on average, the amount that every person in society gets more. Now, I might be the most compassionate person, I might be the most moral person, which I'm not, but um, regardless of how beautiful a human being you are, the fact is you don't care about per capita economic growth. You care about your economic growth, and the uh, point made by Adam Smith So beautifully in his uh, important book published in the end of the 18th century, The Wealth of Nations, A Study into the Wealth of Nations, the beautiful point there is that if we each and every one of us worry about our own income, then it's going to be good for everybody. And that's the beautiful thing. When he said, it's not out of the goodness of his soul that the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker uh, provide you with the goods you need. They're doing it for their own reasons. Yeah. And the the result is we all have what we need. And so um, this is a bit of a, um, a, a, no, it's a very deceitful move to talk about, well, added population doesn't add to per capita economic growth. No, that's true but it adds to the growth of people who are creating, not destroying. It adds to the growth of people who are makers, not takers. In other words, um, I move to a, a neighborhood, I move to a city, I move to a country which has opportunities for individuals. It's of much less interest to me that there is an average per capita economic growth. I don't care about that. And so what they're trying to tell you in this um, this study from the Center for Immigration Studies, well, they're trying to tell you, hey, stop worrying, you know, when Rabbi Daniel Lapin tells you that the uh, drop in fertility in America is down to 1.64 children, and he says it's a colossal uh, calamity in the making don't pay any attention there's no relationship between slowing and declining population and per capita economic growth (laughs) yeah as i've explained it he's right but he's also assuming that um, most people are not going to probe they're just going to read the headline oh guess what you know what population growth isn't important okay great right because that is what the left wishes to believe and uh, the idea that it can all be made up this lack of fertility can be made up by immigrants well uh, why don't you phone up germany and ask how it's working out for them phone up france find out how it's working out for them immigrants who do not subscribe to the same values that bring unity and connectivity and widespread trust base, well, that doesn't do much good, I'm afraid. And so uh, we've just you got to be really alert to these kinds of things. Now, I told you that uh, China has now relaxed, right? It's no longer a one-child policy. It's not even a two-child policy. Now, couples can have three children, and that's like as of now what changed why did this come about well i didn't tell you what china's fertility rate was remember i told you that uh, um, africa as a whole was 4.5 i told you that even israel right was 3.1 and then i told you that the united states of america is 1.6 1.6 remembering that 2.1 is the absolute minimum well, China is 1.3, worse than America. They're down to 1.3. What's going on there? Well, uh, several things. First of all, we're now pay or well, they, not we, they are now paying the price of the many years of the one-child policy, because all the years that they were running the one-child policy... Um, Huge numbers of baby girls were being aborted and, by the way, in many cases, uh, killed after birth as well. Uh, So there is now a massive female gap in the childbearing age population. So the number of women available to have children, if I can put it in, in those terms, is way down from where it should be. So that is one reason that uh, China is so far below replacement rate, 1.3. The other reason is that um, it is a lot easier for a government to bring about a form of behavior in its population than it is to get rid of it. We see it in the United States of America, by the way. Um, It was scary to many of us. It was truly terrifying to many of us how easily the government was able to persuade people to don mosques. But in spite of the science, in spite of the realities, in spite of the truths, they managed to get the population in America to wear masks. Not only some of them were terrified not to wear them, some believed it was a mark of virtue, it showed you cared, but whatever it was, they managed very quickly to get people to wear masks. So much so that at this point already, at this point I still see people driving alone in their cars, wearing masks. The fact is, it's a whole lot easier to get people to wear masks than to get them to stop doing so when you've decided that's enough. And uh, it's a whole lot easier to get people used to not building families than it is to come to them and say, "Okay, everybody, time to have families again. So, that's another thing that, uh, that China is finding. And uh, the third thing is that as the um, acculturation of the society moves in the direction of leftism, that's for America, and of course, uh, China has been left for many years already since the revolution, um, the tendency is for women and men's roles to become confused and conflated and um, women feel in general. Now, I'm I'm not saying every single woman feels this. Obviously, it goes without saying. But in general, um, certainly in the United States of America today, um, many, many young women have been culturally conditioned to believing that there is something um, disgusting and obscene about the term housewife or homemaker very large numbers of young women have been taught to defy the yearnings of their feminine realities and to insist that their careers come before having children. Now, life gets mighty lonely when you're a 45 or 55 year old woman without a family. Life gets pretty lonely and um, Many, many, many women are even now feeling that they were misled and lied to, but it doesn't change the mood of the culture where we hear politicians repeatedly speaking about, oh, one of the casualties of COVID has been the drop of women in the workplace. I would think that that's a huge advantage. What's happened? One of the silver linings in the dark cloud of the COVID year has been, in fact, the large number of women who've said, you know, I had no idea how much I missed being with my children. I, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But if you are a uh, a wonderful progressive and you are a uh, secular fundamentalist, well, then you want to see women in the workplace. And that reduces the fertility rate but it's not the only thing that reduces the fertility rate and uh, here it is that I, I have to share with you some rather remarkable information and i, I think you're going to find this to be every bit as fascinating as i do okay so if you listen to politicians uh, Barack Obama famously said, the biggest threat facing us right, is climate change. If you're one of the people who actually believes that climate change is something that should keep you awake at night, then I, your rabbi, cannot help you. I'm sorry. I, I wish I could, but even I have to recognize my limitations. But uh, if you are open to the idea that in fact it's a gigantic hoax and you know how to track the money and you begin to understand why and how the hoax of man-made climate change is being perpetrated and what the goal is then you are way ahead of it because you are now ready to hear what the genuine threat is uh, if you live in America, or you live in, you, we got listeners all over the world now, but you might be listening to my words, you might be a, a couple I've come to to so much enjoy and uh, admire, a couple in Greenland, all right, um, who uh, you've heard me talk, I've, I've been in correspondence, they, they wrote to me and I wrote back, we've been in correspondence, uh, you might be anywhere around the world but if you are somewhere with uh, very low fertility rates and and if your country is made up for it by importing huge numbers of single males of a different cultural background uh, then you need to worry you really need to worry Um, Here is a real threat, not climate change. Here's the real threat. The real threat, and I'm talking about the United States of America now because I've been tracking it for this country. I don't yet know the the similar figures for other countries. I don't know. But here it is. Um, I'm going to tell it to you directly. Uh, There's been a huge drop in sperm count among men in the united states of america what does this mean well um i mean technically a low sperm count is lower than 15 million sperm cells per milliliter of semen now if 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 you are down at that level your likelihood of father if you're a man with with lower than 15 million per milliliter your likelihood of fathering a child is actually pretty low But it's even worse than that. Motility figures are down. In other words, the sperm are less aggressive. I mean, that's probably the best way to put it. Um, They sort of hang around. Instead of swimming furiously towards trying to meet up with an ovum and mate and join, they sort of hang out there and they sit back in their lawn chairs and they put their hands behind their heads and they say, yeah, you know what? It's, It's fine hanging out here. And those sperm aren't, they're just not trying to go anywhere. They, they, they've got no ambition. They've got no masculinity. They've got no a- aggression at all. That is, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making light just because it's, it's a serious problem. And um, it's, it's just too much. It's, it's just too much. But this is a real thing that's happening um it's real it's measurable doctors are aware of it and they are not talking a lot about it but the information is out there uh, most recently a professor of environmental medicine and public health uh, at mount sinai school of medicine in new york her name's shanna swan and she's got a new book uh, countdown how our modern world is threatening sperm counts um altering male and female reproductive development and imperiling the future of the human race. Okay, so now here is where I have to tell you something which you will not hear anywhere else. The reason that she gives the basic thesis of her book and several of the other studies that this has been going on, by the way, for I'm aware of it for about 15, 10 to 15 years. Um, I think I first became strongly aware about 12 years ago, but um, everybody has been noticing that American men are producing less sperm and less um, viable sperm. I call it less aggressive sperm. It's sperm that just doesn't seem to have any real interest in moving on in the world, as we say. So, um, I mean, that's literally what we're talking about. So, this is not fresh news. Most of the uh, theses attribute this to pollution, plastics, this uh, processed food, um, uh, non organic food. Okay, I do not know how much of the problem of uh, less effective sperm in american men can or should be laid at the feet of um, uh, plastics and uh, and non-organic food and pesticides i really don't know Um, my gut feel is not nearly as much as they think because i now want to tell you what the real reason is right how the world really works well here's the real reason for why Um, American men's sperm count is down. You know why? Because we've been hammering away at men's masculinity for the same period of time, for the last 20, 30, 40 years. We've been pushing against masculinity, and the result is we are making men less masculine. Now, I know that to ask you to accept that is I'm never going to do. I'm going to merely pose this. And one of the great things about Happy Warriors is that we are all capable of hearing news information, data with which we do not intuitively agree and allowing it into our processing hall and uh, subjecting it to our own analysis rather than allowing legacy media to dictate what we should believe. And so I know that your intuitive sense is, yeah, yeah, it's got to be pollution. It's got to be environmental. It's got to be all the uh, bad fumes in the air. It's got to be the plastics. It's got to be the non-organic foods. It's got to be the pesticides. I realize that we all have a very strong sense automatically. That must be the reason for uh, the um, less the lowered quality of American men's sperm, right? But I want to introduce you to this idea that our behavior changes not only how we think and believe, but it also changes our bodies. What? Really? Yeah, that's right. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, Here's one of the best examples. When men behave less masculinely, their testosterone levels drop and... Dropped testosterone levels cannot be good for guys. It just cannot be good. It certainly cannot be good for male sexuality and reproduction. What's one way of dropping your testosterone? It's very simple. Um, Go to a therapist who practices crying therapy. That's right. This started uh, a a number of, uh, of years ago. I think the therapist and then became an author i think he nicknamed himself iron john and um and he he said here's the problem with men you men we don't know how to cry enough so um there was this uh, american poet robert Bly, and uh like maybe 1990 or the early 90s he published uh, this book iron man and uh, it was it was based on on an old European Germanic legend about um, about the Iron Man, and Robert Bly, the poet, um, wrote a book about the state of American men and masculinity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, one of the consequences of that became this movement that men need to cry more, and um, and so sure enough, uh, you know, anything novo. Catches on. There's always going to be followers for the latest uh, recipe for success. Uh, things that are new appeal. Um, copywriters know that the word new is a very strong selling word. People go for it. And so this new way, this is how we're going to fix American men, is we're going to encourage them to cry. And this lasted for a couple of years until somebody made the rather startling discovery, which was no surprise whatsoever to me and not to anybody knowledgeable in the field of ancient Jewish wisdom. And here's what the great thing is about ancient Jewish wisdom. It's not new. That's the best thing. I always speak of ancient Jewish wisdom as providing ancient solutions for modern problems. That's right, ancient solutions for modern problems there's nothing new about it and uh, so no surprise to me that uh, researchers got very alarmed because they discovered that the more that men forced themselves to cry at these sessions and by the way it's not that hard to do even for those of us who uh, were raised in a rather uh, repressive environment and today you know somebody like me for instance i mean for heaven's sake you know uh, British background and etc I mean you know look crying is not natural to me at all but um, not not to say that I don't think there are times to cry and I have cried but it doesn't come easily I'm embarrassed. When I do, (laughs) I I just am. And you can explain it all to me logically, just as I can explain it all to myself logically. But uh, the point is that um, you'd be surprised how easy it is if you are with a group of other men and everybody starts weeping. And by the way, uh, at some time, we must do a program on why humans are the only creatures that can weep and cry. So um, you're with a group of men and it starts becoming contagious. And you start feeling a lump in your throat and you start tears forming in your eyes. Before you know it, you're crying. And that's what these therapy groups were doing during the 1990s. It was the most extraordinary thing. And you'd see all these men weeping away and wiping the tears from their eyes. And then they started hugging each other in the sessions. Yes, I was invited to observe a particular session. And uh, researchers discover drop in testosterone. The more crying, the less testosterone. Okay, that's a really important point to understand. So you can actually make changes in your body by the things you do. That's all it is, just the act of crying. The other way around is that... um, uh at&t it was that discovered around about the same period maybe a little earlier uh that women when they started hiring women as linemen that means by the way going through the back country and climbing up towers lugging a heavy uh, container of tools to do work at the top of the towers grueling physical work Very much work for men, but not surprisingly, there were women who were determined to show that they were just like men. Well, guess what? Uh, They stopped their menstrual cycles. Uh, Women who have enormously grueling physical regimens lose their ability to conceive a child. This happens to some ballerinas, by the way, some very dedicated ballerinas. That's right. The things you do... Can have profound changes on your body so here is the shocking information and every microscopic morsel of your being is going to want to reject what i'm now telling you but um you know chew it around savor it think about it test it against your own real life observations discuss it with friends And uh, see what you make of it but here it is when men engage in non-masculine activities their masculinity suffers when women engage in non-feminine activities their femininity suffers in many many different ways or to to put it uh, in the negative when men engage in female behavior you remember, by the way, again, I, I jump back to the Bible, there is a very good reason why the good Lord said men should not wear women's clothing, because any tendency on the part of men to behave like women will make their bodies less masculine. Loss of testosterone and drop In sperm count, yeah. So I'm not going to say that environmental factors and toxicity and plastic, etc., etc. I'm not going to say it has no uh, result. I simply don't know. I have absolutely no information on it at all. But what I will tell you is that I do feel certain that the dominant factor impacting the drop in Um, men's sperm count in the United States of America is the denigration of masculinity and the uh, glorification of femininity and slamming men for being men in any way, shape, or form. The result of that, yeah, I'm pretty sure is that. Um, Another interesting example is what's happened to women. Not only do women feel less of an urge to have a baby, When women behave in masculine ways, when women are urged to behave in masculine ways, when women are taught, particularly on the university campus, that there is value in them emulating male concupiscence, there is value in them looking at male-female relationships as men do in exactly the opposite way that nature and the good lord provided women with a different outlook on relating to a man from the way a man relates to a woman and uh, the more that that is done the less women feel inclined to have children and be mothers to their own detriment and their own sadness because you know the books are going to start proliferating As We encounter a growing cohort of middle-aged and older women who never ever had children never expressed their ultimate femininity by having a child never did it and They are then going to start. I I I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, they're they're gonna They're gonna be all kinds of fascinating sociological secondary effects and uh, I haven't thought about it a lot But I know that there's going to be a lot of unhappiness and a lot of looking to lay the blame for that unhappiness somewhere. That's going to happen. Here's another thing that's happened, by the way. The pitch in women's voices has changed dramatically, not surprisingly. As you encourage women to be more and more like men, they will, their bodies will be more and more like men. Absolutely. This is the point I'm making. This is a shocking and for many people disturbing point, and that is you are shaped by the activities you engage in. And we know this, right? If I mean, if, if you If you do things, you know, you give yourself a month to be very generous, slow to anger, um, kind, uh, focused. Try and give yourself a month to do all those things. At the end of a month, you actually will feel that you're a slightly different person. The things we do change the people we are, not only spiritually, but even physically. And so why would it surprise us that women on on average women's voices have dropped in pitch by about 30 cycles you're supposed to say hertz not cycles hertz means cycles per second okay um and it's really very interesting um there's a book there's a magazine called the journal of voice which um, somebody brought to my attention. And, um, and sure enough, they've been measuring the fundamental frequency of men and women's voices over the last five decades. And uh, women have gone from what used to be about 230 hertz, which is about an A-sharp on your piano, uh, but the A-sharp just below middle C. Uh, and it's, it's gone all the way down to, to about 200 hertz, that's a, roughly a G sharp. Um, there actually is an audible difference, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm actually going to play that for you. I think so that you can you can really hear it. So uh, here, if you like, is the way uh, women used to speak. Right, the higher pitch. And this is now the way now on average that women sound, the lower pitch. The higher one, around about 230 hertz, 230 cycles a second is the sort of basic fundamental frequency. And now here is what they sound like now, closer to 200 hertz. (coughs) It goes without saying that uh, whilst everybody in a number of different countries agree, Western countries, by the way, agree that women's voices have dropped in pitch, uh, there are all kinds of speculation on why it is. And... um, the reason again using the principles of ancient jewish wisdom and again you know i'm not i'm not trying to persuade or sell anybody i mean i'm providing information which you yourself will evaluate in terms of how useful and how true and how accurate it is um, from your own experiences and uh, i won't deny that I love getting mail. I love getting emails from you that uh, that tell me how you were skeptical at first, you weren't sure about all kinds of I mean you know every few weeks this sh- this particular program comes up with with things that that fall into this category that sort of sound a little. Um, contrary to instinct, counterintuitive, um, and you write and say, but you know, it turns out you were right. Well, I don't take credit for it personally. You know I don't. I've never once told you, oh, I came up with this, or I thought of this. Uh, all, All I do is try to be as accurate a transmitter of ancient Jewish wisdom as I possibly can be. And so I want to tell you uh, the reason for why women's voices have been changing—it's the inverse of why men's sperm counts have been going down, because women have been conditioned by society and by the uh, the trends to become more like men, and men's voices are deeper. Why is that? Well, first of all, uh, in the in in the world as it is, deeper voices speak of Um, aggressiveness, and so that's why many animals go to a a lower register when they're wanting to be threatening. You, You know, when you hear an animal growl, Right, you'll even hear dogs right, growl, but dogs can also whine at a high register. So when dogs are feeling subservient and, and plaintive and supplicant like when they're, they're, they're trying to, uh, to get something, the dog might whine in a high pitch. But when it's wanting to be threatening, first of all, it makes the hair on its neck stand up, so it looks like it's a bigger animal than it is, and it growls in a low register. So, low voice is um, power, uh, aggressiveness, um, potential, right? High is much more uh, being a supplicant. And... um, And so it is, we've, again, numerous interesting studies, I mean, these things are done for Psychology 101, um, that... Men are shown pictures, and they shown voices, and they are asked to associate the voice with the uh, the the woman in the picture, and invariably, I mean, this is done over and over and over again. And each year, you know, first year psych students say, "Oh, I can But wow, it's incredible. But of course, it, it happens every single year. And and what happens is that uh, men are shown pictures of uh, you know, say, a dozen. Uh, women of varying degrees of pulchritude and they're also given the voices of the women talking they all say the same thing and they're asked to match the voices with the women and invariably the men put the 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 higher pitch uh with the prettier women they do that all the time and uh also a slight breathy quality if you know what i mean in other words um instead of speaking in very firm, strong, deep, measured tones, um, it's higher pitched and and just a little bit, well, I I don't know how to say it better than uh, breathier. Uh, The men associate that with feminine attractiveness. So there you go. Um, Women's voices going deeper. Yeah, cuz we've been telling women to be like men, so why would you be surprised that women who've acted like men start developing deeper voices? Makes perfect sense. This is just the this is just the uh, uh the opposite, the inverse of men who are being told to behave like women and to Uh, abandon all value in their own masculinity naturally they start losing sperm count I mean it's, it's what could be more natural what could be more simple once you understand the basic premise that our actions shape not only our spirits but our actions actually shape our bodies women who engage in masculine behaviors tend to lose the capacity to conceive and they get deeper voices and men that abandon their masculinity and embrace their femininity well not surprisingly the sperm count drops and so if you think as I do that declining population in the United States of America or in in your country uh, is a real problem, then you really want to think about the contribution being made by the erosion of male-female differences. No longer do we celebrate the beautiful tension polarity of masculinity and femininity no longer do we celebrate the exquisite ecstasy of a masculine man and a feminine woman finding one another it's now all been reduced to a dull gray uniform blandness men losing masculinity women losing femininity, and we have to live in the mess that results from all of that. Pretty bad. So, here is the point. If you, for some reason or another, are a man and you want to become more woman-like, hey, just start behaving like a woman. Um, do a little crying. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, by the way. Um, Women crying arouse enormous protectiveness in their men. That's a good thing. And uh, uh, coupled with that is a fascinating thing. I I haven't wanted to talk about this for the last couple of years until some verification was in. But I I think I'm okay with it now, which is that um, female tears reduce male libido and ardor. Isn't that interesting? Um, great studies done. I really enjoyed reading about this because they got exactly the same chemical mix of salt water that is found in, in a woman's tears and found it had no effect on men. But women's tears, you know, as a man knows that this is a tear of a woman crying, uh, totally reduces a man's sexual ardor. Why? It would seem to make a lot of sense, right? Because if your wife is miserable and unhappy and upset, what she does not need from you is libido. What she needs is empathy and compassion. If you like, she needs your feminine side. And this is one of the reasons that um, in, again, biblical law, right, m- m- husbands and wives are in- enjoying to have fulfilling, beautiful, happy, physical lives of intimacy but if shall we say the wife is a mourner she's lost her father she's lost her mother uh, at that point the husband is not allowed for a certain period of time he has to leave her alone physically he has to talk to her and be kind to her and use words but not use his body Uh, precisely for this reason the whole idea is that when a woman is crying when she's unhappy right she doesn't need masculinity at that moment she needs a softer approach from her husband and a fully developed man is a man who is fully masculine but is capable of subduing that if you like I'm calling it aggressiveness meaning it in a good way not a bad way able to subdue it it's the in the aggressiveness I speak about finds fulfilment in confidence, in authority, um, in ambition, in um, in um, security, in internal security. You know, like not having the need to put down other people. That that sense of 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 generosity in every way is a very masculine instinct. But um, it's it's really, really very fascinating how this works. So. For for men who want to, you know, you shouldn't want to, but if you want to be a woman, just start acting, doing women-like things, whether you feel like them or not. Wear women's clothing, make yourself cry uh all kinds of other women's activities traditionally feminine activities and spend a lot of time with with little kids take them out for walks hang out with all the other women in the mummy and me groups whatever and you will be astonished at uh, what a hit your testosterone will take <laughs> And uh, likewise, for women, I have to say exactly the same thing. If you genuinely want to be a man, hey, just start doing masculine things. You know what they are. And don't be surprised, your estrogen will plummet, uh, your voice will drop, and um, all kinds of other things. Um, difficult and problematic changes will take place in other words the way the good lord created us is it works better when men behave like men and women behave like women are there actual behaviors that are more masculine obviously obviously and are there certain ways of acting and that are more feminine yeah absolutely of course and uh, the world works better when women increase their femininity and men increase their masculinity but all of this can be done by action right we all know this right um whistle a happy tune when you're feeling down remember there was a song a hundred years ago uh, you know whistling past the graveyard act as if you're courageous if you want to feel courageous etc etc we all know these things that you can actually change the way you feel about somebody by acting towards them i've covered this in the past right if uh, if you don't like the way you feel towards shall we say you know your father for instance just start serving him doing things for him and um, and being good to him you'll be astonished how you begin to feel differently uh, the, this is a very well-established principle, and I would like you to think about ways you could implement this productively and helpfully in your own life. There are things you can do to change how you feel about certain people, right? Certain people, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a child or a, so, whatever it is, there are people who are part of your life. They're not going to go away. You're not going to go away. You You need to be able to change your feelings. Well, here's the way to do it. Our actions change our feelings. Let me tell you what doesn't change you one little bit. Declarations. I announce that I am now a woman, or a woman announces I am now identifying as a man. Don't believe for one moment that that has any impact at all. Zero. And um, as, as part of that, how is this working out in california in january of 2021 they passed a california law all right 132 which allows men who identify male prisoners in california state penitentiaries who identify as women to transfer into women's prisons based on individual preference. No hormones, no surgery, no time spent living as the opposite sex required. Now, as of the end of May 2021, January, February, March, five months into the program, 264 men prisoners have been Uh, transferred to women's facilities the number is climbing and uh, california announces no men have been turned down so far by the way in the same period of time would you be interested in knowing how many women have transferred to men's prisons four four men have transferred to women's prisons excuse me wrong four women have transferred to men's prisons 264 men have transferred to women's prisons why wouldn't they right you're not going to get killed you're not going to get assaulted and heaven knows for a lot of reasons if you're going to be locked up i'd much rather be locked up with a group of women than with a group of men for a lot of reasons And so this is now law in California, and uh, there is no reason to suppose at the present time that the United States Congress will not pass the Equality Act, which, by the way, the House already has. We just wait for the Senate. And that will allow nationwide, not just in crazy California, but nationwide, incarcerated biological men who self-identify as female would be entitled to transfer into women's federal prisons and possibly also state prisons nationwide. Uh, How's this working out in California? Well, the guys who've transferred think it's wonderful. The women who have been made uncomfortable in the very obvious ways you'd imagine by men who are being forced to be in the same cells in the same shower facilities. I don't have to be more graphic uh, to tell you that uh, women are desperately unhappy with this. And so all the wonderful progressives of California who care so much about women, are they jumping to the defense and saying, hey, we made a mistake? State law 132 Is a horrible mistake. No, because nothing is more important than advancing the progressive project in the same way that progressive women are not stepping up to defend high school girls who have to compete in athletics against men who claim to be women. (laughs) They're not, because the progressive project is designed to utterly obliterate biblical transcendent principles and timeless truths such as male and female he created them the notion that God actually has some say in my life he made me a man not a woman regardless of my feelings and I just have to make the best of that and be as masculine as I possibly can no not at all we got to obliterate that and so uh, just because men are saying i 'm a woman that doesn't do make any difference, as many of the female inmates are complaining. The men are exhibiting very typical um, male reactions to the close presence and proximity of women um It's pretty bad uh, The women um say that um, um, they may they may as well just drop all the women into San Quentin. Uh, You know, a notorious men's penitentiary, Uh, they're unhappy about it, to say the least. Um, Inmates at Chowchilla are housed eight to a room with a sink and toilet inside the cell and only a half door for modesty. Um, The California law specifically states that no inmate may be denied a housing request for any discriminatory reason, including genitalia or sexual orientation. Um, The women are complaining that all these men who are claiming to be women, and that's why they've transferred, are exhibiting typical male attraction to women. And they're you know, we're sort of using language that uh, is um, okay for this particular program. So, so there it is, my friends. Uh, some of the craziness, progressiveness, but more importantly, saying when a man says he's a woman, it makes zero difference. When a woman says she's a man, zero difference. But when a man spends time doing feminine things, then. Real differences take place in his body. Real differences. Drop in testosterone, drop in sperm count. Oh, yeah. And when a woman says she's a man, it's irrelevant, means absolutely nothing. But when a woman starts behaving like a man, she's never going to become a man, obviously. Never going to change her into a man. But what it will do is reduce her feminine qualities, her ability to conceive. Um, her estrogen levels, her voice drops, all of these things happen as a reminder to us that if you don't like the way you feel or think about something, start acting the way you would act if you already felt the way you wished you felt. I hope you got that. I'll repeat it, all right? Here it comes again. One more time uh, as an act of great kindness... And public service on my part. If you don't like the way you feel towards somebody or think about something, start acting physically the way you would act if you already felt or thought the way you wished you do, and you'll find that it'll bring about the required change. Because, my dear friends, every single happy warrior, it's worthwhile remembering that we are the consequence of the things we do much more than of the things we think. As a matter of fact, we end up thinking and believing in accordance with our actions much more than we act in accordance with our thoughts and beliefs. And it's worthwhile remembering that because it has really practical application In our daily lives as happy warriors. Uh, The website, RabbiDanielLappen.com, love to see you there. Check into scrolling through scripture and allow me, your loving Rabbi, to wish you a great week of good times with your family, with your finances, with your faith, with your fitness and with your friendships. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless. Spilling ancient solutions to modern problems in areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.